Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, my name is Monica and with me today is my lovely, amazing, glorious, long-sleeved, soon-to-be-seen-in-real-life, funny, amazing co-host, Amanda. Woo! Hi, Monica. All of that is true, except I feel like you needed to add in really fucking tired co-host. <laughs> <laughs> really fucking tired. I'm sorry. We can edit that in. Um, and I feel that today's kind of a given for everyone alive on this planet. I don't know. Probably not for everyone alive on this planet. But I feel, yeah, man. Can confirm that the other inhabitant of my house is also feeling tired. I don't know what it is. It's too, we're not made for, well, you're not made for the heat, but you don't have the heat. So we don't have heat. We've got cold. I don't know. Maybe we're just mentally so connected. How is it going in the Northern? It's going good. <laughs> other than being cold, it's been uh, kind of dry, which is nice for a change. And means that we've been getting out for walks more regularly which is good because i'm such a wimp but i don't really like to go outside when it's raining it's pretty bad situation to be in northern ireland isn't it yeah <laughs> what have you been doing on these walks walking mostly um we were trying to play wizards unite the new like mobile game that's kind of like pokemon go but all harry potter which is awesome right like in concept except holy shit does it ever eat data i'm like out of data and i played it for one walk that was like an hour and one walk that was like 20 minutes and it had 276 megabytes of data in that time and you have the most horrible data plans apparently my data, it's like uh, 750 megabytes. So it took a quarter of my data in... Like, how is that even possible? Are we in 2000 or what? How how can you... St how do these data plans still exist? I don't get it. I don't know. Actually, my, I might be on a gig. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't use data that much. Um, I always have leftover data, like a lot of data. So, yeah, it's like eating through it to the point that it's not sustainable to play and it is pretty disappointing. So you're basically whatever you do, you're downloading it beforehand at home so that, for example, if you listen to podcasts, you download them at home and then you go for a walk. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't stream or anything when I'm outside the house or off Wi-Fi. Wow. I can't even believe that. <laughs> I mean, I believe you, but I can't wrap my head around this. Wow. UK phone companies get your grip that's a ridiculous data plan that not even in 1999 was that still valid so it's 20 years later now get your shit together 
and give out proper data plans, eh? I mean, they exist, but they're also like a lot more expensive than what I'm paying for. Even like the cheapest one over here has like at least a few gigabytes of data. Wow. And I have 20 gigabytes per month for 15 euros. Yes. Wow. I've got one one gig or maybe 750 gig or megabytes and it's 22 pounds. What? That's ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> so what about you? What have you been up to now that we've destroyed my data plan? What have I been up to? Oh, I watched the Spider-Verse on the weekend. Oh, how was it? It was actually so good. Like, I yeah. totally get why this movie won an, an Academy Award. I won't go into whatever happens in that one, but I, that's the sort of animation I've never seen before. It was mm. like the perfect merge of... It was basically, it was really beautiful art and an animation that was really close and gave you a really comic book feely vibe. So that was just the combination of that was just sick. It was so cool. And yeah, I really like the, the whole story is really great. So when you come over, we have to go watch it because it's really cool and you really missed out. Okay, I cannot wait to watch it. I've been saying to Tom like the past few weeks, I was like, I really want to see it. So this is our opportunity. Yeah, Um. actually I, played a video game over the weekend. Um, it's from 2016, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. It's not, not like brand new or anything. Um, it's called Orwell. And it's a narrative uh, game where you are like a surveillance agent. And it's kind of like, have you ever seen Person of Interest? It really reminded me of that. Mm -mm. No, it's like cameras and the system that lets you basically have unlimited access to people once you like get approval and you need to solve a terrorist plot wow basically um but it was it was really really intense um i have a lot of feelings about the game and i'm definitely writing a review about them <laughs> because like <laughs> there there was a lot to, to think about i'm excited and if you listeners haven't noticed it already I think we should just tell everyone about this now if we haven't. Amanda is writing really awesome reviews that you can now find on our website. So if you go to geekcaring.com and click on the menu bar which says Amanda Reviews and then you can see the awesome re reviews Amanda has already written. And apparently you will soon find Orwell there too. But it's really cool if you want to find out more cool fancy things recommendations or cool games you should really check that one out thanks monica yeah i, I think you should check it out because it's uh it's it's fun and cool and i write them and i just want you to read what i write <laughs> which you should which you should <laughs> oh cool well we should probably get started into today's topic let's do that what is today's topic well it's my favorite time of the month and of course, I'm talking about Geek Girl in the News. Woo! Woo! But it was, it was halfway pathetic. <laughs> it was kind of pathetic. It's like, Geek Girl in the News! Woo! Yes, Geek Girl in the News! Whoopee! Woo! Wow. Yay! <laughs> that was as close as fangirling as it could get for me, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Awesome. Yes, we have. I mean, I mean, Amanda brought us a lot of awesome articles this week. Uh, my Trello card was just exploding without even without me doing anything for it. <laughs> It's true. Today or today, this month was a kind of eventful month for Geek Girl News. So it, it was just they, they all kept falling into my lap, and I was like, we gotta talk about this one and this one and definitely this one. And, you know, just for shits and giggles, we're going to talk about the man who sued BrewDog for sexual discrimination against men. And guess what, folks? He won. He won. We probably need a bit more of, an, of a backstory on this, why it's a bit weird and stuff. So BrewDog is a company who tried to raise awareness for sexual discrimination by offering a beer which they called pink ipa pink ipa i don't know how you meant how you... ipa pink ipa and it's it's a play on their or their normal ipa which they call the punk ipa is that a craft beer kind of situation or is that a normal beer thing? okay it is yeah so craft beer are really trained in general but um the thing is that it's the same beer it's just a different name right yeah. um but the pink ipa uh they sold it for four pounds Whereas the actual punk IPA sold for five pounds. And they did that intentionally to raise awareness in general about the gender pay gap and um, all the not so fancy stuff that is happening to us women in our everyday life. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. they say the campaign was undertaken for four weeks back in March 2018, launched on International Women's Day. And they sold the beer for 20% less than the punk IPA because that's the gender pay gap in the United Kingdom. They sold it for the discounted rate to every customer who identifies as female. So that's basically the... the so you don't have to biologically <laughs> be female. Let's just say that. So if you identify as female, you were able to buy that beer. And then Mr. What's-His-Face... To Dr. Thomas Bauer. Dr. Thomas Bauer. We did that really in sync. I like it. <laughs> He wanted to buy the cheaper beer. As you do, like saving 20%. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't sell it to him. Wherever, where, where did he want to buy it? It was at BrewDog's official bar in Cardiff in Wales. They had a back and forth with the nice, not so nice Dr. Thomas Bauer. And in the end, he got his beer only after he said he identified as female. And then they actually did sell it to him, right? That's correct. However, Mr. Dr. Thomas Bauer then decided to sue the brewery because he found that was really sexist, that he wasn't able to buy the beer as a identifying as male and that that's sexist well first of all he complained to brewdog themselves and they said that it wasn't discrimination because the price difference was part of a national campaign to raise awareness about the gender pay gap but that wasn't good enough for dr bauer so he complained again and then said that he was going to take them to court so we did and won he offered them to resolve that outside court which they didn't really well They ignored. <laughs> and yeah, he still took them to court for that. And he did. He won. 
And he got now £1,000 compensation for his troubles. Because he stated he felt really uncomfortable. Um, then he had to identify as female to get the beer and stuff. You know how hard it is on a man to identify as female. That's the gist of it. <laughs> That's generally the gist of it. In a very nice Twitter conversation, he actually stepped forward and outed himself. And by outing himself, I mean he was willing to answer questions, but I honestly didn't find a lot of questions. Mostly Twitter users calling him various uh, names for a penis. <laughs> or like <laughs> the actual name of a penis. <laughs> that happens too, yes. <laughs> So one thing I will say for Dr. Bauer is he did donate the £1,000 to women's charities. He claims that he didn't take it this far out of righteous indignation, but that he uh, he basically donated all the money and he was making highlight of Brewdog's ridiculous campaign. While I do still kind of feel that this is a bit... Like, mentioning how hard it is on him to win that court case, I do find very strange. I mean, I wasn't there, so let's say allegedly saying that he had a tough time. <laughs> However, I, I'm not entirely sure if always if it's always the best idea to prove a point by recreating discrimination. So while I do totally like it's a national campaign and 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 often it's really often when you do activist campaigns in general or want to raise awareness I think it's easier to create that awareness by recreating the inequality for a group of people that has not experience that inequality but I am not sure if that's always the smartest move to make because what we want to get rid of is the inequality in general and by recreating it I'm not sure if that's 100% helping all the time because then it just creates situations like this where obviously I mean he's probably not the dumbest candle on the tree so he must have some smarts so he knew where to play the system and he knew where where he could prove his point because obviously that I'm not surprised that he won because if he could argument the, the case well, then I don't see why this case would not win and some other case would win. So I'm not surprised somehow if he had the the right spots that he pointed or the right buttons that he that he pushed that he actually won that case. So that's why I'm thinking sometimes we might need different measures that's not recreating inequality. Yeah, I agree with you, Monica. I don't necessarily think that BrewDog's campaign was the best course of action for raising awareness. And I'll be completely honest, I didn't know about the campaign back in March 2018. Like, I live in the UK. I saw the pink IPA. I didn't know that that this was a oh, thing. Really? Like, I, I had no idea. Yeah, no clue. Is that a popular brewery? Um, it's getting pretty popular and it's especially popular among the vegan community because it's a vegan brew. Um, and it's like part of their premise is that they are vegan. So yeah, it is pretty popular amongst, uh, amongst vegans and I see it out and about it's in, um, 
quite a few shops um, and growing in popularity now. So yeah, I did see the pink IPA back in March, 2018, but I had no idea that it was connected to this campaign. I was just like, Ooh, new beer. Whereas fast forward to June, 2019, when this has all come out and I'm kind of like Thomas Bauer, are you actually just a women's rights activist and you did all of this to raise awareness of the gender pay gap? <laughs> Would be a very smart move though. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of a penis. <laughs> Qu quoting that guy on Twitter, the right honorable bison sex horn and knuckles. You are kind of an absolute penis for going ab about this the way that you have. However, in its own way, this has brought more awareness to the to the pay gap than Brewdog's original campaign ever did. Honestly, I think you have to raise his not so pretty head hat <laughs> um, to the fact that he did not keep the money. So I feel that's, that's a great move that he well donated it. But yeah, I I feel it's tricky sometimes. In that case, it's easy to jump on the hate train when he. I mean, if that person looked like Chris Hemsworth, let's be honest, I wonder if he would have gotten as much hate as he did. Probably, because it's a dick move. It's like you're attacking a company, taking them to court for their stance and, and the moves that they're making for gender pay equality. Yeah. And it makes who doesn't matter who it is, it makes you look like an absolute twat, right? I mean, in this case, like, yes, he's donated the money. And yes, it's actually brought more awareness to the matter than like BrewDog's original campaign, at least for me. Yes, this guy kind of looks like a pompous ass. But does it really matter what he looks like? Whoever did this and whoever like takes it to this stage, like sues a company over this. Like, it's just I lot. think it would be more upsetting if he sued a private person. I think it's for easier. Sure. I think... Sometimes companies cover their, and I'm not saying that it's the case for Brewdog because obviously they are like a pretty aware company with with being brewing vegan friendly in general. So 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 that's a pretty woke company. Let's just call it that. But I think that there are a lot of companies out there who pr just pretend to be freaking woke and are not woke woke at all. And then suing a company as a private person, I feel takes sometimes more guts because companies in general always have more money and they could crush you if they wanted to. So it's, yes, probably for BrewDog not the case, but if you do that with a bigger company, like if an individual sues Facebook for doing whatever shit that this they are doing, then that's seen as a rather brave move. He probably chose the wrong company to do that with, but in general, I don't, feel it could have been a dickisher move to prove a point again if it were a company like let's say monsanto or whoever who, who does sh obvious very shitty things and pretends to be super uh, aware then nobody would claim that he's suing them for a allegedly mind-opening gesture so that's Yes, he might have chosen the wrong company. Yes, in general, it's not the ideal move to make. But I think sometimes it's also to raise awareness and not to uh, make friends with the world. Yeah. But yeah, might be still a dickhead. Who knows? Nobody Who knows? really we knows his know intentions. Him. No, and we don't know him as a person. We can only judge based on his really creepy Twitter profile picture. Yeah, but also we know that a shitstorm online is easily caused and 
yeah lives are destroyed simply by social media so maybe yeah. he actually didn't actually have a bad intention just really tried to raise awareness but we will we will not know we will never know but we know now that this even happened a year ago so that's cool so we should yeah move on to another case of sexual discrimination yay well actually gender discrimination which is kind of the same thing is it though yeah i i think it's pretty much the same thing especially for this article which says that the state of California is investigating riot games for gender discrimination based on their pay. So it's a pretty equal story here. So riot games are the ones that um, put out League of Legends. And basically they're looking into, or the state of California is looking into, uh, it's California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing, uh, looking into the alleged unequal pay sexual harassment, sexual assault, retaliation, and gender discrimination in selection and promotion at Riot Games. Over a year ago, uh, the news, the gaming news company Kotaku published an investigation into these issues at Riot, and Riot at the time had promised to be better. And now, a year later, it doesn't seem to have gotten any better. Payment inequalities... I sometimes feel it's easy to cover up again, you know, like give, give them two or three arguments why this person doesn't earn more than this other person. And as a company and as a CEO, they often find anything like people can fire you for basically everything if you don't want to have you in a company anymore. But in cases of sexual harassment and sexual assault and shit like this, I'm just like, how can this not be resolved? Like, how yeah. is that even possible? Yeah. So Riot Games are making game development history, actually, because in May of this year, May 2019, over 150 employees staged a walkout <laughs> to protest the company's decision um, to force arbitration against some of the former employees who are suing the company based on the Equal Pay Act. So this is the first time in gaming history that game developers are staging a protest against this because there is such discrimination against pay and gender equality in game development. So they are make, like, they're not okay with it. The company, the heads of the company might be okay with it, but the employees are not. I find that pretty hardcore. I wonder how horrible the work environment must be <laughs> that 150 people just say fuck it i'm gonna prote protest that right now like it must be super toxic super toxic and they are i would say they're really supportive of the employees that no longer work with the company who are suing riot as well like obviously those women have very good standing within the staff at riot and they're like yeah you can't take arbitration against them you can't sue those women they should sue you because they are fucking right walk <laughs> walk. <laughs> walk riot have responded to, to uh, kotaku and said that they have been trying to get in contact with the department for fair employment and housing but uh and they've made requests to call uh to call the department and try to resolve the issues and address everything that they've asked to talk about 
but the requests have been unanswered. And Riot says, we're frankly disappointed to see the DFEH issue a press release alleging that we've been non-cooperative. We're confident that we've made substantial progress on diversity, inclusion, and company culture, and look forward to continue demonstrating this to the DFEH. Is the DFEH not actually a governmental institution kind of thing? It is, yeah. So they're the ones that are investigating. I think the the statement, like the point is that the Department for Fair Employment and Housing, they have asked Riot to respond to them in writing and Riot keepers like trying to get them on the phone. And the DFEH is like, uh, no, guys, we, we said in writing, you need you need to talk to us over the over the letters, not over the words. <laughs> I mean, I hear, I see where on parts that's both ridiculous and justified. Like, well, it's bureaucracy, right? It's bureaucracy and it's government work, and yeah, and also writing is still preferred. Yeah, and also if you don't want to write stuff down, why people avoid taking things to paper because that's basically admitting everything like i'm not saying that in that case it's all true but what i'm saying is if you write stuff down that people can use the written pieces against you whereas if you just call them then everybody can say but that's not how i meant it yeah and that's not what i said yeah they don't want to follow the uh the instructions that they've been given follow the chain yeah, I mean, not that bureaucracy is amazing in general, but sometimes it's necessary. This girl over here is saying, boo, Riot Games, and yay, Riot Games employees. Yes, obviously, yay, Riot Games employees. And yeah. seriously, work on your company culture if you don't have that shit together, if nobody feels properly welcome and has... Yeah, like if 150 people are just going to walk out, even if you say you're doing everything right, you're not doing everything right. And let's be honest, a 150 people are a lot of people for yeah. two who have the issue. Because if the company would be amazing and the company culture would be awesome and it would just concern two people, then I don't think 150 people would stand up for those. Mm -mm. so if every if they felt welcome if they feel that they are validated if they feel compensated because sometimes it's not always about the money um so sometimes it's other benefits that they get during work that that compensate the money issue for example in that case apparently there is more wrong than than the money pay gap and apparently there is more wrong than the payment gap so a couple episodes ago, Monica and I talked about day one of E3 and how the rising representation of female characters was awesome. Well, and then reality hit us. Yeah. <laughs> or let's say the last couple of days, the, the, the days that came after, they didn't prove to be as positive for females in the gaming industry. No. So my very own boyfriend, Tom Knight from 3 Extra Lives, sent me this article, sent us both this article over in our Discord channel. And a report from the Feminist Frequency has an overall takeaway that this year was a bad year for women's representation at E3, with the lowest percentage of female protagonists since 2015. 
or before. That's like four plus years ago. Yeah. And that's only like the first year that uh, Feminist Frequency started to collect data on this. It's so sad. So only 5% of games featured exclusively female protagonists. 22% had exclusively male protagonists. And 65% of games had multiple gender options. I mean, let's be honest, that's not 100% if we add that up. No. Well mathed, Monica. But what are the left, the, the, the 8%? No people in it, probably. That does make sense. Animals, yeah. Yay, so they're not idiots. Which is kind of sad, isn't it? Somehow. That's really sad, yeah. Especially because, like, day one was so positive, and then it's all gone downhill from there. I mean, apparently they really just threw us some chunks of excitement to make us all go, yeah, look, another woman being on stage, and then it wasn't. It was all for the show. Yeah. The numbers prove us wrong. Yeah. And there were some female presenters this year, like Ikumi Nakamura, who we talked about on a rising representation episode and we got new characters like short-haired zelda which is cool i'm curious how that goes yeah it'll be i'm really fun. crossing my fingers that we can actually play zelda with zelda with a new breath of the wild that would be amazing right that would be awesome story-wise it would make sense after the ending of of breath of the wild which i have seen because I finished it. <laughs> Super yeah, proud. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Finishing games, you're so good. <laughs> Finishing Zelda Breath of the Wild, I think, is my biggest gaming achievement of all times because I hardly <laughs> ever finished a game at all. And I finished Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is like the longest game to play kind of almost ever, story-wise. You're the best. So I'm like, yay. So it does make sense to... to, to feature her and i would really be excited if that were the case actually that would be really cool and yes we saw ikumi nakamura as you said but especially with the with also square enix they had a particularly rough situation um, with female representation in there because from the 17 speakers only two were women bad showing square enix that's not good representation. Yeah, I actually have to say that I was kind of disappointed when I saw the first fanfest that we already talked about when in June, no, November last year or February or sometime. Yeah. Um, for Final Fantasy, I, it's a big sausage fest. Square Enix, it seems like. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, but I think this leads us into our next article as well. Which is covers has Square Enix under there. Yeah. Um, apparently, out of all those sausages, they do have an ethics department. <laughs> 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 and uh, they told the new Final Fantasy VII remake developers to uh, restrict Tifa's chest. So Final Fantasy was generally first created for the PS1 which is also Tomb, Tomb Raider Square boobs time, isn't it? it? It is, yes. So boobs were not, like, that great. I mean, they made an effort, but wasn't technically ideal. Let's call it that. And yeah, since they remade it now for the PS4, and nowadays, obviously, 
games are way more realistic and in general way less squarey <laughs> uh, or triangly. The ethics departments of Square Enix decided that it still has to be realistic, you guys. So Tifa apparently is a character that has an iconic miniskirt on paired with a white tank top. And what they did now is they added some underwear to it. Oh my gosh. Which is black and it's a fitted tank top. I don't know what I think about this. It's a bit weird. I mean, if, like it's fine. I don't actually know how this is restricting her chest, to be honest. Like, it's still quite big boobs. Yeah, it's still pretty big boobs. They look supported at least now. They've got like a sports bra on, but like her midriff is still showing and they're still big boobs. So I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. Like she looks a lot more realistic than, you know, in her 8-bit glory from the original. All we see on our images is what they already, air quotes, restricted. Okay, yeah, I have found a comparison. I mean, like this final or the Square Enix ethics department, I don't know much about how they can, how this is an ethics thing, but it's definitely a good move. Like, let we'll just compare this to 1997 Tifa. 1997 Tifa's boobs are like balloons on the front of her chest. Like, <laughs> they look really unnatural. Um, you can't even 100% save there actually if there are clothes on that one. So, Changes to 2020 Tifa, I am 100% on board with. And it's not just about the size of her chest. It's the realisticness of her chest. Well, which the realisticness, I kind of feel we have is a hard thing to judge considering it's 20 years ago. Is it 20 years ago or more? But yeah. she looks less slutty, I have to say. She looks more ready to kick ass and not like her boobs are going to hit her in their face. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yes, she does look more badass. She does. She looks way more badass. Yeah. She reminds me a bit of Tomb Raider. I mean, I still don't get why she has to wear a miniskirt and has to be barely clothed. But in general, she does look more badass. Yes. Like, I don't care about what she's wearing. Like, it's fine. Um, a miniskirt is great because you have all the leg movement, right? There's nothing to restrict you. You can just kick somebody in the head. And you, well. Pretend that was my leg. And... <laughs> And there's a lot of insight if you do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's it's fine. I'm on board with the changes and I think she looks a lot better than she did. So if anybody who is like hating on this can just go suck on a lemon. How discriminative against, discriminating against lemons. Lemons are awesome. Anyway, from the restricted better boobs of Tifa... To America's news. Well, that yeah. sounds a bit very dramatic. <laughs> it does. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So Bloomberg have published an article that American women are missing out on the biggest job boom in America. Okay, well, actually, they didn't say American women. They just said women. So there was no like two Americas in that sentence. But anyways, so two of the fastest growing U.S. job markets are in solar and wind energy which is great because yay, renewable energy, right? But the diversity, the gender diversity in high-level roles in renewable energy is way lower than in like pretty much any other industry. 
Women account for 45% of the industry's administrative jobs, but only 28% of its STEM jobs. That's not a lot of women in your workforce. Well, it's a lot of women, but it's a lot of women in administrative roles and not in actual uh, moving science forward roles. Even so, like 45%, that's not even half of the working roles and administrative jobs are quote unquote the women's work. That's true though, yeah. Like even even that is low. I mean, yay seeing men take on administrative jobs, 100% up for that. But just like there's so few women working in this industry. Agreed. That's interesting though, that they're also not working at ministry for all. It's not that I don't think that they should be, not, should not be in there. But they shouldn't be confined to there either. Like they can, obviously women can do whatever they want to do. But yeah, it's interesting that even in the more women dominated roles, you, I know listeners, you can't see my air quotes, but <laughs> like they're, they're still low numbers in in the renewable industry. That's what we always talk about. We need more women in STEM fields. And I'm yeah. surprised that there are not that that's not really the case because improving the planet and moving the world forward, that's some that's often really close to women's hearts as well. Yeah, well sure. I think women maybe want to get involved in the industry, but I feel like there might be a, some kind of glass ceiling there. One woman was interviewed for this article, and she is a project manager for a renewable power company. And she says that the renewal industry needs to change at its base. She recalls being a construction manager on a solar project and having to make multiple requests for plans from a contractor. She never received a response, and the information was instead sent to one of her male colleagues. <laughs> So Assholes. they just completely disregarded the manager. And then the article continues to say that men earn 26% more than women in the U.S. solar business at all position levels. Wow, this episode is really like about the gender pay equality gap. I can never wrap my head around this. How people justify these kind of, kinds of things. I think that for one, it's the culture of how men seem more confident in certain situations and therefore are better at negotiating their own wages and women saying yes quicker or CEOs starting lower already because they know that women will say yes easier. Basically what Ellen Pompeo from Grey's Anatomy said, that she just said, I want to earn that, that amount of money. And it's easier for her in a situation, not easy, but easier for her in a situation where she's like the face of an entire series. And that's not the case in, in, in the solar industry. So if a woman doesn't say yes to the lower price, then they just say, well, then take someone else instead. You know, I feel that's women often say yes to things because otherwise they have feared that they're not going to get it. Mm hmm. Whereas men already start higher and are more confident in that area. And, and it's not a debate. It's a statement how much they want to earn. Whereas with women, I, I reckon it's often a negotiation that's not in our benefit. Yeah. Culture has to change people. We need to be more aware of what we bring to the table because what we bring to the table is not less because we don't have a wiener between our legs you're always so eloquent monica <laughs> i love it <laughs> we have to bring facts to the table 
<laughs> yeah, so I think we we need to be encouraging more women to get involved in renewable energy because like it's the future. And we also need to speak up about these issues that are happening already within renewable energy, but like not just within renewable energy. This is what this article is about, but it's it's something that affects so many different industries as well. Which is a pretty smooth move over to our next article, I would say. This is also in American politics, but it's pretty relevant to everything that we've been talking about. So Democratic nominee Bernie Sanders, he calls for video game developer unions. Unions would help a lot of these issues with the gender pay gap. It would definitely bring to light and support for the early article that we talked about with Riot Games and their walkout. Like unions, basically, you know, fair pay. That's that's a big thing that the unions are, are about. And that's fair pay for women and men. I sometimes do wonder if unions are something that go against America's pride of, of the American dream, blah, 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 even though that's probably not even valid anymore in a way that it was a few years ago. But I feel sometimes, because apparently Americans have a hard time giving fair, creating fair opportunities for everyone. I mean, if we look at the healthcare system, apparently there is a strong anti-force against all of that based on I don't know what, but something apparently. So I'm wondering if unions fall into the similar category. Yeah, um, unions are definitely more of a hindrance to the big money makers because they like to support the little guy. Yeah. And Bernie Sanders is a socialist or a, a more socialist Democrat, mm -hmm. um, meaning that he does support and stand for the little guy more than other people. Not saying he's the, I'm not saying he's the best candidate out there, but that's just like what Bernie stands for. Um, but he tweeted that the video game industry made $43 billion in revenue last year. Could you imagine like that's, that's a lot of money. I am not surprised. It is a lot of money, yes, for sure. But I'm also mm -hmm. not surprised. Sure. But video game creators, they're burnt out and desperate for change. Like, that's just a fact. Like, how often do we talk about, like, game developers that have lousy company culture that work, like, 60, 70, 80 hours a week that are mistreated, that... Yeah, I like, mean, and that's always the problem, isn't it? The the revenue that's created is not benefiting the people who actually create the games, but the people in the way higher levels that um, then take more cuts of everything. And the money does never dribble down as far as it should. And it doesn't no. reach the people who it should reach. It doesn't. I saw an article, it was a UK-based article the other day, the other week. Um, I actually don't know why I didn't link it in our show notes as well. Um, and it was saying that the average salary of a UK game developer was like 60 or 70,000 pounds a year, which sounds like a really good salary, right? Except <laughs> the salary is mostly white men making 100 and 200 thousand pounds annually and like women making 23,000 pounds. Wow. And 
like even even men in the same role as some of these like junior level female developers were making like 40 and 50,000 for the exact same role, you know? Um, and so it's averaging out that, yes, okay, maybe the average salary, the mean salary is 60, 70 grand. But when you really look at it, it's the white men that are again, bringing in all the big mm. bucks and the people doing the actual work, women and men, though it's still with the, with the pay gap, are, you know, making a pittance compared to what the actual revenue of the industry is. Mm. And that's that's one reason why Bernie Sanders, at least for America, mentions that they should create a union so that these inequalities and that the pay gaps that they are, well, reduced. Let's just say that. Yeah. So there are already a couple... Um, video game unions or, or groups working to make video game uni unions actually exist. The point of this article, and I agree, it's like unions are good. And if you care about the actual people making video games and their well-being, you should be down for video or for unions as well. Mm, 100%. I'm on board with this, Bernie, and I support your fight for it. I think he has a lot of good fights. Unfortunately, he's not the youngest candle amongst us and it's a pretty big job he's aiming for <laughs> yeah i don't think it has anything to do with age that he's not getting the support but yeah we don't need to talk about american politics on that kind of level we will see what will happen 2020 and this article next article comes from the bbc northern ireland so this is right here at home for me and the article says that computer geek stereotype is putting girls off studying the subject. Which is sad. Shocking figures have been released from 20, uh, 2018 that only 50 girls across Northern Ireland took computing or computer sciences at A-level compared to 314 boys. Wow. And only 38 girls took software systems development compared to 204 boys. I mean, I in our in our class, I think I was the only one who did it in computing. I think even in the different classes, we had three classes, and I don't remember that there was anybody else doing computing at A levels out of 60. Back in Canada, I didn't end up going through to A levels with computing, but even in like my grade 9 and 10 technology classes, I was usually the only girl sad sad times yeah we got split in computing when i think correctly they put all the guys in one and then all the girls that's actually pretty sexist now that i think of it that is actually yeah so the bbc article says that one of the main barriers that girls aren't taking more stem subjects is because of stereotypes that they that there is a stereotype that girls are not less naturally talented at maths and technology than than boys are and they're less equipped for complex work like if that's the bullshit that we're giving our children i just oh bullshit <laughs> bullshit throwing your hands in the air in general i'm not happy about the geek stereotype and no. especially in teens it's difficult you it's don't so difficult you don't have the you just want to belong and you don't want to be part of something and be part of a group. And the stereotype type of geeks being all awkward and it's just not very inviting. And unless no. you are a part of the group or a part of the circle and realize that there are various types of nerds and various types of geeks, as a girl, they can be pretty off-putting. Yeah, this report that the BBC is talking about, they said that 
they that girls don't want to be known as geeks and that's why they like one of the biggest reasons that they don't want to study anything to do with computers because they don't want to be a geek that they think that people who study computers they're socially awkward and intense and they don't even want girls to be in the computer room i mean i guess that's tricky in general when you're going through puberty yeah and when only 17 percent of employees in the uk are women in like uh uk technology like you don't have a lot of role models to, to look up to you know so if you're not seeing these strong and hilarious and geeky women owning their geekdom and you're only seeing like men and like not women in your role model she was like okay yeah i can see you don't want to do it i wonder I how many teachers how many female computing teachers are out there i think that might be the first way to re rethink that stereotype because generally and that's i mean that's basically a problem a lot of teachers are when you start in school they're generally female but then suddenly with maths and all that stuff it switches to male and then you mm -hmm. all you see is men doing all the techie things and that's just also not relatable for girls yeah like i'm trying to think back to high school and i didn't like science um but i did like technology all my technology teachers were were men i did have a biology teacher who was female mm -hmm. um i don't remember her name but she was female I did have a female math teacher. Yeah, I had female math teachers. But she wasn't, I mean, she was nice, but she, I don't know if she was particularly inviting. Yeah, I had a really great physics teacher. My physics teacher was male and really hot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all the other things, uh, physics, chemistry, computing, they were all guys. Yeah. So the BBC is saying that one of the goals of the Council for Curriculum Examinations and Assessments here in Northern Ireland is to promote relatable and realistic female role models and more partnership between schools and Northern Irish-based technology companies, which is a great start. You know, if they can hire more women in STEM subjects to teach, that's great. Mm -hmm. And if they have a lack of diversity in that, there are so many technology companies in this country and that are willing to have that outreach mm -hmm. and work with young girls. Like there's um, a women in tech group here that I'm actually going to be getting in contact with uh, when we're back from holiday to, to learn more about and their phenomenal outreach. They are always happy to talk to people. You know, so there is a change, but it's so hard right now because like because of that horrible snotty nosed geek stereotype, you know, like mm -hmm. antisocial and exclusive and male dominated. And but this is what we're trying to do here at Geek Herring. Like this is the bullshit that we're fighting against. Mm. And I feel even if it's not possible to find great female teachers yet in that subject, sometimes it takes just one great workshop to influence people or kids so if you have someone that's witty and funny and charismatic and 
who is a woman and and shows the girls in schools, even if it's just on irregular workshops, going from school to school, promoting what they do in the company and how the woman is like part of it all and leading it all. I think that would already make a big difference. For sure. I will say that there are some schools here that are doing amazing things with like they have science faculty that is majority women. There's one school in particular that an old friend of mine is a science teacher there and her the science head head of department is that what they call it? She is she's female and most of the other teachers in the department are women. And this woman like she's not your typical like she doesn't exude geek. Like if you were to see her walking down the street, you would be like, oh, that woman's like, that woman's a science teacher. That woman's a geek. Like, look at her. She looks like such a dweeb. You know, like she is not a stereotype. She is a a really cool girl. Like she's a really cool woman. Not to say that geeks aren't cool women, but like she's not that quote unquote stereotype that people yeah. fear that you're going to be this horrible stereotype, like horrible geeky person. It's like, no. Look, like, I actually think that she's a great role model mm. because she's, like, showing that, you know, if you follow science into wherever it takes you, that you're, you can still be exactly who you are. Here, here. I think that's, again, a nice segue to our next article because, as Amanda said, not every woman who is a geek is fitting that stereotype and one that's definitely not fitting the stereotype is Janina Javankar, or however her name is pronounced. I would say it's Janina Gavankar. Okay, then let's J the, let's call her JG. Well, that's problematic. Let's call her Janina. That's fine. Janina. <laughs> Janina is actually an actress, a musician, and besides all of that, you might know her from The League, Sleepy Hollow, or The Mysteries of Laura, I have to admit I've never heard of her before, but she's not only all of the things I mentioned, but she's also an avid gamer. She was voice actress for video games like Far Cry 4 and After Party. She truly started her love or found her love for gaming in 2007, but then she went full force with it, it seems. She played stuff like Half-Life, Portal, Bioshock, Zelda, The Twilight Princess, and Assassin's Creed. So she must have owned various consoles as well, because Zelda is obviously solely on Nintendo anyway. And all the other ones are from various platforms, so she must have must own more than one thing. It's pretty cool. For sure. So Janina loves games still. 12 years later, now like after her real good introduction to games, she says that she genuine, generally focuses on narr narrative games with indie studios, much like myself. And <laughs> because nothing allows for a more intimate story than choice. And you really want to connect with your games. And that's what she loves. But there's still this perception that video games are made by boys for boys. But obviously, we know here at Geek Caring that that's not true. And... We know as well that games like Uncharted, which is one of the best like puzzle action games starring the gorgeous Nathan Drake, is got the head writer of Amy Henning. So these like games that are beloved by men and women in geek culture, written by a woman, right? There's all this representation, right? Except that there's not. There is a lack of female representation. 
and participation, despite 41% of women being or classing themselves as gamers. And I mean, 65% of women between 10 and 65 play mobile games in the United States. So we established like early on that we're basically half of the gaming population, even though we're, we don't seem to be very visible for whatever reason. Janina likes to say that we're in a post-strong female era. As video game players, we are so over this whole damsel in distress or set dressing where we're like butt kicking women who are only defined by the fact that they are butt kickers. Even an article that we talked about 10 minutes ago, you know, when I was like, oh, but she looks like she could kick some ass. Yeah, okay, but is that all she can do, right? Janina says that she's over this and she likes to say that we're actually in the post-strong female era. We've already established that women are strong, women can kick ass, but what we need now is women with stories, women who are doing things that are more than just butt kicking. I like that approach, I have to say. I do too. Janina mentions that there are two things that are holding young women back from the world of gaming. She thinks that are misconceptions in the industry. On the one hand, girls seem to think that games are only like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, which is like not. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is and I like her comparison because she says that it's like saying the film industry is just made of movies like Saw and the Justice League. (laughs) I like the comparison exactly. And her other point is that women think that you need to be able to code in order to get into game creation. But that's not true because games also need writers and graphic designers and modelers to make these beautiful games. So you don't actually need to speak in code and ones and zeros or binary or HTML or C++ or any of those other coding languages. Like you don't need to speak that to make an impact in the games industry. Girls out there, you can do this if you want to. If you want to, be more Janina. Be more Janina. Because hot damn, this woman is absolutely beautiful. And she is owning her beauty and playing video games and bigging up the video game industry and representation and diversity. I think that she is a phenomenal role model and she might be my new favorite person. I always like it when famous people open up about their geekdom. That's one reason why I love Robin Williams even more. Because... He called his daughter Zelda, but not after a great book, but after the actual video game, (laughs) which is the best. This article about Janina ends with a really awesome quote. And again, it's what we here at Geek Caring have been saying since we started. If you can see it, the path to being it becomes simpler. Until we stop needed pieces like this to be written, we have work to do. Amen. Amen. So we keep, we will keep saying it over and over and over and over and over again. Yes. But on a funny note, or a fun note, the internet is not always a bad place. No. The next article or the next short sensation really did make my June, I have to say. It's true. We talked about this like over the course of a few days. It was so funny. (laughs) The good side of the internet showed its face again. But it started with the bad side of the internet. Yeah. Well, is it the bad side of the internet or the bad side of the world? Bad side of humanity, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) If you have been listening, we've talked about this or I mentioned it one one or two times, that Good Omens, the series on Amazon Prime, came out a few weeks ago. 
and was gladly received by the entire world, except a pretty narrow-minded place in the US, or I don't know where, probably around the world, who thinks that it is not very Christian to follow that series because it's biblically wrong and Satan is part of it and that's always bad when you're a diehard Christian, right? 20,000 Christians signed a petition to Netflix asking them to take the show off their streaming platform. And if you have been very careful at listening to us or if you know already, Netflix actually does not air Good Omens. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so that in itself is already <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that there is this great petition out, out and 20,000 people were like, fuck you, Netflix. But then it got better. Because Netflix came to Twitter, the glorious Twitter, the god of geekdom. And Netflix quoted the Guardian article that says thousands petition Netflix to cancel Am Amazon Prime's Good Omens. And Netflix say, okay, we promise not to make any more. <laughs> Which was already like, what a great reaction to such a stupid petition in itself. But if you think it's over now, you are it's not. wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Prime replied to Netflix and they say, hey, Netflix, we'll cancel Stranger Things if you cancel Good Omens. <laughs> I love that stupidity and weird things can bring competitors together. I think that's the perfect example of we can rise above so many things if we just stick it together and <laughs> stay in our lane. <laughs> that still makes my June. I think it will, might also make my August. I'm not going to lie. But it will make your July because that's going to be hanging out with me. That is true. I totally switched months unintentionally, but it was a Freudian, <laughs> so it was right. <laughs> it was right. Well, that is actually our last article for you. And we're really excited. We left that one till the end because it's such a high spot, considering that most of the rest of the show was a bit doom and gloom. No, but we end on a positive note. And that's mm -hmm. Netflix and Amazon Prime being awesome. Great social media management, you guys. Yes. Yes. Give them a raise, especially if it's a woman. Yes, what Monica said. <laughs> so yeah, that was it for this week. Thanks for tuning in again. And we will see you next week where we have a really cool interview lined up that you will enjoy. Also excited for you to listen to that one. Woo. Yeah. Okay, that's us signing out. Geek Herring says bye. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.